Welcome, everybody, to the Nuggets of Gold podcast. I am here today with Jake. Um, if you haven't seen, heard our, one of our previous recordings, Jake was on. We were talking about Raheem Mostert. I don't know how positive we were, we were about Raheem, um, we were, but mostly we were talking about guys that could potentially replace him if he was going to be holding out, traded, whatever. Um, and we both talked about, what's his name, Jermichael Hasty quite a bit, um, Salvin Ahmed a little bit. But we were both talking a lot about Jermichael Hasty that we really believed in him. So if you haven't heard Jake uh, kind of talk about the Niners, that was the first time he was on this show. But uh, Jake, how are you doing, man? Pretty good. Glad to call myself, I think, the first reoccurring guest on the show. So I'll hold that title uh, well, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, you got it, man. That's, that's your title right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today what we're basically going to do is we're going to talk about the Earl Thomas stuff. Um, I don't think we're going to talk about it very long, but we'll briefly talk about that. Talk about all of these injuries. Um, it doesn't look like anything's too serious with at least like very notable players. There's a couple smaller guys that had some, some tough injuries, but guys that probably weren't going to even make the roster. Um, and then after that, we're just going to kind of break down the Niners team heading into what would have been preseason, I think, what, like a week and a half ago. I mean, I think – so today's Sunday. I think we are this, three weeks away, right? Yep, three weeks away from kickoff. So, And, and that's for the Niners kickoff. The, the, right. The Texans and the Chiefs kickoff on the Thursday before. So Correct. We're like, we're like 30 days – less than – we're like less than 20 days away from football. So we're getting close here. So it's a, it's a fair enough time to kind of give the, the scoop on the Niners' whole roster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but let's, let's get started with Earl Thomas. If you haven't heard the news, Earl Thomas has been released from the Baltimore Ravens. I did not think he was actually going to be released. I thought people were, like, just, like, blown out of proportion. Oh, Earl's doing this, Earl's doing that. Like, I was like, really, they're, they're going to release an all-pro safety Earl Thomas. But, but they did. Um, I was shocked to see that. I think that was, that was this morning, right? Or was it yesterday morning? This morning they officially released him. It's pretty crazy. Like, I mean, apparently, like, I don't know if, the, how, you know, how much truth there is to this, but they were saying that, you know, multiple locker room leaders, like basically unanimously, like voted to release him or get rid of him. So when you hear that, I mean, you know, locker room leaders, you're, you're probably thinking about guys like Lamar Jackson and Calais Campbell and Marcus Peters. And, you know, these are not like small name guys. So the fact that unanimously they came to this decision I think it kind of speaks to his character and you know really like you know how they felt about him yeah no and, and it's crazy too because because you think about the Baltimore Ravens that is a good locker room Mark Ingram Lamar Jackson like those dudes are tight um Marcus Peters like he talks a lot but he's a he's a baller he's a good player he makes big plays on their team and they just got a group of guys that are just good dudes good players People seem to get along. I mean, Lamar's a clear leader at quarterback. I don't know. I don't really – I think that's kind of one of the underappreciated things about Lamar is, like, his his team loves to play for him. They absolutely love to play for him. Um, and there was also a report that they basically – or, like, management went to the players and kind of talked to some guys like, hey, do you guys kind of think we should release Earl? And they basically okayed the move. I don't know how accurate that really is. I think it's more of like there what there weren't any players going, hey, we're not like we don't release Earl. Like this is an overreaction. I think everyone was kinda like, Yeah, we don't really care for Earl. <laughs> um right. and of course of course you had this stuff earlier this off season, um, with his brother and his wife and just a crazy story. if you haven't looked that up, just look up Earl Thomas Thomas gun to head by his wife or something along those lines, because you will hear one of the craziest stories you'll probably ever hear. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, like you were bringing up with, you know, going to the players, again, we don't know how true or false this is. I would assume there is some truth to it, you know, especially with uh, John Harbaugh and, you know, how, how much of an eye he has on his locker room. And, you know, he's, he's usually got a pulse on him. And the fact that, you know, it doesn't seem like anyone was really standing up or, or vouching to keep him, 
like I said earlier, I think that speaks a lot to his character. And I think a lot of those guys were just over it. I, I don't think they really cared if he was there or not. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's interesting to hear that. Um, it's, it's just, it's a shame that they had to release him, especially eating up all that money. Yeah. And, and as far as the 49ers are concerned, I highly doubt that they will go after Earl. I think that maybe maybe they'll look into it a little bit. I I do not think that their organization likes going after like making these type moves, um, especially after like the Reuben Foster stuff, where it was just like, let's just not do it. Let's just not. It's not worth the time. You'd rather keep locker room good. Also, the safeties are solid. Like Jimmy Ward, Kwaski Tart are good players. Where Earl can definitely bring something to that team. I mean, neither of them had an interception last year. That that's a big deal. I think that's a lot. That, that that is a that is an issue. I would say, but I also think that going into this next season, like I expect both those guys to step up and maybe have like five combined interceptions. I don't know what number, but but be a presence on the back end where like they're ball hawking a little bit better than they were last year. Um, because Jimmy Ward's done it pretty. He's been a pretty solid player like throughout his whole career. I, I'm a huge fan of Jimmy actually. Like he's been one of my like when the Niners were bad, the uh, Jimmy Tom Sula years, like that was my dude. I, I would be so hyped for for Jimmy Ward out there because he would he would he was a good player. He always has been a good player. So I I just think that like yes, it makes some sense. Like okay, like you could bring this guy in and you can move Jimmy Ward around, but it's not worth it. I don't think it's worth it. I don't think that that that, that the management is going to think it's worth it either. Yeah, and you know I want to make. A couple points clear. First off, ever since the John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan era began, I mean, they have made character a high priority. I want to give you two examples. Um, first off, in the first season, uh, Tremaine Brock, what was probably the team's best corner, and he ended up, I believe it was a domestic, uh, domestic violence case, and he was off the team, I mean, within 24 hours. They did not wait, nothing. Uh, and then in Reuben Foster's case, you know, obviously both times uh, in the domestic violence situation, he was proven not guilty, but they still released him. And the point is they want high character guys. They don't want guys who are in, um, you know, off the field drama. They don't want guys involved in that. And also when you look at who's there, we have two guys there who are more than capable. And I think health is wealth for both of those guys. I mean, you know, Jaquaski and Jimmy both. I mean, Jimmy came back. It was his first, uh, really, honestly, his first full season healthy. And, I mean, he proved that he could ball out at free safety. Obviously didn't get the picks that you want out of that position. He needs to do better there. But, I mean, he was hitting hard. He, you know, I mean, he had that nasty hit on Mahomes in the Super Bowl. He also had that one um, against the Packers receiver in the NFC Championship game. And then uh, I think Jaquaski. Uh, people undervalue his importance to the team overall. I mean, he had that big strip uh, strip on uh, DK, who is like otherworldly strong. Like that's just unreal. And you know, when he was out for those few games, I mean, you can attribute that to D Ford because yes, he was out around the same timeline that Jaquaski was out. But I do think you know having Marcel Harris in there over Jaquaski Tar. I mean, you could see that the secondary was clearly lacking his presence. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I've kind of said, like, if Marcel Harris gets in there, that's going to be an issue. However, there have been raving reviews out of camp about Marcel Harris. And while I don't always take a lot of, like, put a lot of stock into those, one of, um, the, guy, one of the guys that I believe he has a 49ers podcast, I'm not exactly sure, but he evaluates defensive backs. His name's Eric Crocker. Um, I think it's yeah. Crock Time on Twitter. He's he's very good at evaluating defensive backs, in my opinion, at least. And he's like, I've been telling you guys, Marcel Harris is better than everyone thinks. Everyone thinks he can't cover. He can cover. And he thinks it's more of just like he's growing and he's becoming a better player. I think that's the area where there's a bigger question mark because at free you at free safety you have Tavarius Moore, and he's proven that he's an adequate player. Um, he can come in. I mean, he came in the Super Bowl. He got an interception. You know, he's a, he's a good player where the need of free safety isn't as big as I think the depth at strong safety. But even that seems like it's filling out. So 
I don't think that Earl comes there. I really don't. Um, maybe he does, but it, it, I, I mean, you have two guys there already. And if you're going to sign someone, like sign a strong safety. And even then, I don't think you need to whatsoever. So I'm not, I, I don't think anything's going to happen. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's crazy because, you know, most names that go up on the trade block, most 49ers fans, at least under John Lynch, you know, uh, in his era, have been, it's always been, go get this guy, go get this guy. Because, you know, there's always a chance with the 49ers and John Lynch. They, they, you know, they put themselves in a position to make those trades. I mean, we just saw it with Trent Williams this offseason. And, you know, even with Jamal Adams, like the consensus was like, oh, like, you know, there's still a lot of people like, go get him, go get him, even though we really didn't need him, per se. With Earl Thomas, I feel like the overwhelming consensus so far has been like, let's not get this guy. Like I saw a poll this morning saying like 73% of 49er fans don't want Earl Thomas. Wow. So really? It's, it's overwhelming results so far. I think a lot of people listening will probably agree with that as well. I, I just, I think a lot of people look at who we have, especially after seeing what happened with Jamal Adams and they just think, you know what, we do have serviceable safeties. And as long as they're healthy, they're going to play well. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, kind of moving on from Earl, because I think we both to know. <laughs> um, but moving on to the injury report, sadly, a lot of 49ers were out today. Um, we're recording this on Sunday, and it should be out Sunday night. Um, but, Jake, you want to just go through the injury report real briefly? Yeah, so – um, here are some of the injuries that were sustained just today. So D Ford tweaks his leg in practice. That's via uh, David Lombardi. Uh, Nick Bosa had a uh, undisclosed, uh, you know, day. That's via Matt Mayoko. Uh, I'm guessing that's just a maintenance day. Same with uh, Richard Sherman. Uh, Brandon Ayuk uh, had a, a hamstring issue. DJ Jones, obviously, a couple days ago had a shoulder injury which wasn't considered serious, but he today got diagnosed with concussion. And then uh, just from previous days, Dwelly, uh, he's out with a foot. Obviously, we know about Debo, um, uh, Williams, Garland, Armstead, all these guys, you know, they're out right now. And uh, it's, it's just a lot of guys, you know, we're, we're stacking up injuries early on in camp. Um, I don't know how severe some of these injuries are. Um, obviously, others we have timelines on. Um, like the Debo Samuel injury, uh, like the Quan Williams uh, injury. But, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, we don't know the severity yet. Yeah, I think that it's a little bit interesting just because there's not, like, there's not a lot of receivers that are healthy right now. <laughs> um, that's my big issue with this. Also, seeing D Ford hurt, you never want to see that because he had, I think like a week ago, he was just talking about, like, yeah, I'm the most healthy I've ever been. And now he's hurt. <laughs> so the Dwelly injury, the Quan Williams injury, a lot of them are just little nagging injuries. DJ Jones, interesting that he had a shoulder injury that then became a diagnosed concussion. Wouldn't expect that whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I but, mean, it's, it's random. I, I don't know how, you know, you go like a day without figuring out you have a concussion, but these things happen. We know the the uh, injury percentage in the NFL is 100. You know, by the Super Bowl, I'm sure all of our guys on the field had some kind of ache or pain. So, I don't know, man. These things happen. It's football. Yeah, and it seems like they're not very severe. The, the only place where I have any concern right now would be at receiver. Obviously, Jalen Hurd, torn ACL out for the year. Debo Samuel, well, it's expected that he's back week one the foot injury, and I forget exactly what the name is for it, but a lot of people have said, like, it's not that simple of an injury, like, oh, you just come back, like, like that. Like, a lot of people have secondary issues with it. So definitely something to make you nervous, I guess. Um, Brandon Ayuk, hammy issue, that's not good. Any hammy issue always is, like, great hammy issue. Like, the dude might deal with that all year so you don't want to see that and I think that what this really means and like we'll transition into like our preview for the team but what I think it means is that week one Dante Pettis is going to get thrown out there potentially if Brandon Ayuk's not back and if Debo Samuel's not back but I think it's really going to be like the Trent Taylor show 
that, that's what I personally think. I mean, you know, looking, looking just at how Kyle Shanahan schemes things up and game plans, assuming you go into week one, no Debo, no Ayuk. I mean, it's probably going to be a run heavy game, especially because it is the Cardinals. You know, you can, I don't want to say let your foot off the gas a little bit, but you can ease yourself into the season knowing that you have the Cardinals coming up. Now it is an interdivision rival, but I mean, you know, this was a team that didn't particularly defend tight ends well last year. I mean, Kittle carved him up. I'm sure he'll be a big part of the game plan. Obviously they brought in Isaiah Simmons. They brought in Hopkins. So they're a little bit more dangerous than they were, um, you know, in previous seasons. But I think overall, when you look at the Cardinals as a week one matchup, um, you know, despite the injuries, you're not sweating it out. You know, you're, you're going in thinking, look, 49ers, NFC champions, Super Bowl runner-ups, you're thinking, okay, we can handle a team that just had a top 10 draft pick last season. Yeah, I, I entirely agree with that. And you brought up the run game. Like, the Cardinals are a team that you can run against. <laughs> if Kittle's on the field, if Kyle Juszczyk's healthy, that, that's a team that you can run on. And I think that maybe you'll see that. But also, they don't have the best pass defense. So, I don't know. I, I just don't know. We don't really know enough yet about Brandon Ayuk's injury because I would say probably more likely than not, he'll be ready to go week one. Um, but I don't really know the severity of that. Also, a lot of reports have been very encouraging about Debo. I brought up that he does have a weird injury. But come week one, this could be something that's not that big of an issue where, oh, yeah, only Jalen Hurts out. And, of course, that sucks. Like, you never want to see a guy get hurt. But if you have Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk ready to go week one, I think that it's – there's not really much to concern, be concerned about in the receiver department. I think that me and you are both a lot higher on the receivers of this team than, I don't know, because I think, I think 49ers fans really like the receivers on the team. But I think a lot of other, other like fans of other teams and just overall NFL fans don't really know about some of the guys on the team. Where I, I'm very high on a, a guy like Trent Taylor, um, but maybe a guy that's a Jets fan – has no clue who Trent Taylor even is. Exactly. <laughs> so, of course, it's going to be like, oh, who, is, who are their receivers? Oh, it's an unproven rookie in Debo Samuel. And that's where people kind of come in, and people don't even really mention Kendrick Bourne. Uh, 49ers fans, of course, love Kendrick Bourne because he just does awesome stuff on, on the field and on his Instagram. But I think that – and let's kind of like transition into a um, roster prediction. But for the receiving room, I think – there's been very encouraging things said about Trent Taylor and Dante Pettis. The Dante Pettis one is huge. Um, the Trent Taylor one, I talked about it before. Kyle Shanahan has said, he said last offseason, Trent Taylor was on his way to a Pro Bowl level season. I expect him to be the starting slot guy, and I expect him to be a huge part of the offense. Uh, I know a lot of people are, very, are a lot higher than me on Kendrick Bourne. I still think Kendrick Bourne's a solid player. I think if he's your fourth or fifth guy that rotates in a lot, that's great. Um, Dante Pettis, if he, can, if he can become the 2018 Dante Pettis, the Niners are going to be terrifying, especially if Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are healthy. And then Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, those dudes are very, very physically gifted players that – Kyle Shanahan is going to absolutely toy with other defenses with. So overall in the receiver room, those were that five guys I named. Yeah. Five guys. That's, that's solid. I'm, I'm happy. If, if everyone's healthy, that is a good, good group. Yeah. And uh, to go back on the, the Debo injury, uh, just for a second, the reason why people say this is a tricky injury is because this is the same injury, a Jones fracture that um, Trent Taylor sustained last season and we saw, you know, it, it led to, you know, one com complication to the next. And so that's why I, it's almost better to play it safe with a guy like Debo. You'd rather get him back, let's say, week four, knowing he's healthy, than week one, running the risk of, you know, can you miss the whole year? So, um, you know, if, if Debo coming back later means he'll be healthy for, you know, potentially a playoff run, I'm all in for that. Now, Ayuk, obviously, we talked about it. The, the hammy uh, injury uh, concerns me. But, um, you know, we don't know the severity. If it's no big deal, then 
I think he will be a huge, huge part of this receiving room. And I think he honestly will be more of a number one than Debo just because of his play style. You know, he's going to be a guy who, I mean, he can give you straight line speed. And as long as Jimmy hits him in stride, you know, he's gone. You know, that's the kind of guy he is. He's got a huge wingspan. He can catch anything in his radius. I mean, he's nuts. Uh, you talked about Bourne. You know, he's not a guy you're, you know, you want to be your number one or two, which is what's concerning about all the injuries, but he's still solid. You know, he can catch a lot of, you know, passes. He's, you know, he's a big target, um, you know, third and long uh, last year, as well as um, in the red zone, that's where he made his, his money. And, uh, and then, you know, touching on the two guys that you were uh, touching on before in Pettis and Taylor, these are guys who I expect to have huge breakout seasons. And honestly, like I see Pettis and Taylor being in a lot more this year um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the production works out because I do think Taylor will end up being the receiver who comes out with more yards, you know, more catches, stuff like that, just by nature of being the natural slot guy. But I do think Pettis, um, after being benched in the Super Bowl, kind of has, has woken up a little bit and realized, you know, hey, I'm on a Super Bowl caliber team and I'm getting benched in the biggest game of the year. They don't trust me. And, you know, so hopefully that's, you know, woken him up. Hopefully he goes out there, he balls out because that's what, at the end of the day, all 49er fans, you know, want, we, we all see his potential. We've seen it for, you know, the last few years and we were all bummed last season after, you know, his down year. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that stuff. And, and I'm, maybe I'm like just very high on the 49ers receivers Oh, I know that we both are. I'm also very high on Jimmy. Um, we can get into him in a second. But I, you brought up the production thing, and that's what I was going to ask because you said, oh, I think that Trent Taylor and Dante Pettis can have their breakout seasons. I think they can have their breakout seasons, but I don't know if it's like a recognizable breakout season where it's more of like, look, these guys are very good players. They, they feel like they do their job. And maybe they both have 400, 500 yards. But they are just fantastic players where it's like, yeah, there's just not enough yards to go around. So I think it could end up being something like that. But, but I think that the team has, is built to, to throw the ball a lot more this year. Um, and I, I don't think a lot of people think that. I really don't. What are defenses going to do if you dominate them in the run game? They're going to stack the box more. The last thing that everyone saw was the 49ers losing the Super Bowl on an overthrown ball by Jimmy. And while coaches aren't going to be like, oh, yeah, let's just let Jimmy tear us up, there is going to be some amount of, like, we cannot let the 49ers run the ball all over us. Because the playoff run, that's what happened. And so I expect this year to be a lot more of, oh, look where Debo Samuel is. He's in the backfield. Oh, wow, look, this is weird. Trent Taylor led, led the team in, like, I don't know, catches today. He had 10 catches, but Debo Samuel had two touchdowns or Ayuk had two touchdowns and just almost inconsistent production. But only there's only going to be inconsistent production because the guys are doing well and it's just how, how are we going to game plan? And you have very different players around in the receiving core where it's Debo Samuel is, he's not as people, he's not super tall. He's big. And he's, he runs like a running back, you know, like, I mean, I think we've heard Chris Collinsworth say that like 30 times, <laughs> Yeah. but, but he does, it's true. And then Brandon Ayuk, you brought up how long he is and stuff. And he's a long strider and he's fast. And if you watch some of his Arizona state tape, it, he's like 15 yards past guy, just smoking him on like on post and seam routes and just all sorts of stuff where you have those guys and you have Trent Taylor, who's just super small slot white receiver and, and look who his coach is. His receiving coach is Wes Welker. <laughs> so, like... The match made in heaven. And you just have these guys. Dante Pettis, he's a similar guy to Brandon Ayuk. I think Brandon Ayuk has more overall, overall athleticism than him. But Dante Pettis has the quick hips. You know, he has that element to him. And then you have Kendrick Bourne, who... He just has a knack for making third-down catches, for making big plays, for extending. And, and he had some drop issues. But if that dude's your fifth guy... Like, he's not going to be, like, a, a regular team's fifth guy. That's my, my point about this. And I, I'm going to kind of shift into Jimmy Garoppolo right now because we're going to be talking about the whole roster. 
I, I've said this. I don't know if I told you this, Jake. I, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo will be an MVP candidate because I think the 49ers are going to be a good team. And I think that he's going to be forced to put up a lot of yards. And the beginning schedule for the Niners, is they're playing the Eagles, the Cardinals, and both New York teams, the Giants and the Jets. He should tear those teams up. Also, the last, the last week of that is against the Eagles on Sunday night football. If he goes out there and say someone on the Niners is hurt, you know, like, oh, like they're missing this guy. And he comes out there and he goes, I throw for 400, 400 yards and four touchdowns. We beat the Eagles on Sunday night football. People are going to start hyping up Jimmy G. And you hear it every, all the time. Oh, he looks better. That's what um, Richard Sherman said recently. Obviously, there's some things that have to like be worked out with him. But the offense overall is being built to be more dynamic this year. And that is something that I am so excited to watch. Jake, what are, what are your thoughts just on Jimmy, though? Just because I'm very high on Jimmy. I, I love Jimmy. I think Jimmy's a fantastic player. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little bit – I'm very bullish on him. I don't know if I'm a little bit naive about it, but I, I think Jimmy's just fantastic. I mean, MVP, I, I don't know if I would go that far yet. I do think he's going to be really, really talented. He could be MVP candidate, especially, you know, if we're back up there, 12 and 4, 13 and 3 range. People look last year and they say, well, you know, he only got, what, 3,800 yards. You know, he let his guys do the work. And, well, no, 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 no. That's step one. You know, this is year one. He just got off the ACL injury after this. This was his first full season of football. And, you know, now you're going to give him more weapons and now everyone's counting them out, right? Like people go into San Francisco's games and they're saying now we want them to throw the ball. Like they're going to be stacking the box up. And what this is going to do is it's going to open up play action passes. And not only that, you have guys like Ayuk now, you know, if he's taking the bottle off of, you know, defenses, I mean, that's 50, 60 yard bomb TD. And now, you know, you are reopening up the run game because you don't want to get burnt deep on play action. And so my hot take for Jimmy Garoppolo is he's going to be over 4,200 yards. Now, I don't think a lot of people, people are like, oh, it's 4,200 yards the passing league. This is year two. He's coming off an ACL injury after he only threw for like 36, 3,800 yards. To take a five, 600 yard jump is a big deal I also think he's going to be throwing the ball a lot more in the red zone right I mean he he did have some questionable throws you go back to the Steelers game the one where he fits it in to Pettis I mean it's a great throw and that's what you love to see but I mean that's a gutsy throw he's got like three guys around him and then you go back to the Rams game in week 16 or 15 um, on uh, I believe it was Thursday night football maybe and, you know, he's rolling out right, looking, looking, and he finds Kittle, and there's a guy all over him, you know, and he barely squeaks it in. And so I think we're going to expect a lot more throwing, like I was saying. The offense is going to be in a spot where it's a lot more open for him to, you know, have these big games because there was a handful of games last year where I think Garoppolo got held, like, under 200 yards passing because he just didn't need to. Well, the playoffs especially. Yeah, that's I mean, the ones that really stand out. So, so Jimmy did throw for three thousand nine hundred seventy-eight yards last year. So he's twenty-two go. yards under four thousand. I I think that he'll be around forty-five hundred. Um, and, and I would I, probably sorry, real quick. I would probably knowing that now, I would probably honestly bump my prediction up to like forty-four, forty-five hundred, mm-hmm. as opposed to forty-two. Yeah, and, and so my big thing with Jimmy is look at Matt Ryan's second year under Kyle. And you can be like, oh, yeah, well, Jimmy had, like, the year where he was sitting out with a knee injury. I think that it's very different. I think that it's very different. Jimmy has very few games started. You know, like, just he, he's not young, but he is young in his game experience. And practice experiences should not be compared to game experience. Being in the league, like, yes, that will help him. But now having that full season under his belt, it's a big deal. Um, you bring up like the knee, like or like I, you didn't bring it up, but uh, the media's brought up like his knee brace is gone. If he's more mobile too, if you 
if you kind of go and turn back the tape and look at Jimmy in 2017, he was balling out. And that was not a good team. <laughs> but but I think that he's going to be forced to to win a lot more games. I do think that – I also think that the offensive line, I don't think it was that great last season. I think a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, the Niners had a great offensive line. I don't think that's true. They were, I think, rated the 22nd overall pass blocking line, and they're good at run blocking. Why? Because they have – I mean, they have Joe Staley and Mike Mugunshi on the left and right tackles. Yeah, you're going to be a good run blocker if you're running an outside zone scheme. With, with George, George Kittle, too. And Kyle Juszczyk. So, like, yeah. that's not just the offensive line doing that. I think having Trent Williams is an upgrade. Um, and then, obviously, they kind of mix things up a little bit inside. Mike Pearson's gone. I, I think that it's going to be better. I don't know how much better. But if it's, like, middle pack of pass blocking, I think that's a big deal. And I think that Jimmy being able to move around is a big deal. Um, yeah, I mean, trusting himself. You know, people might look at the whole knee brace story and be like, well, yeah, he should be taking it off. But it's not that easy. You know, it's a mental thing, right? I mean, it, you know, people like imagine getting into a car accident and then getting back into a car and, you know, getting behind the wheel. Those are big steps. And it's similar to uh, Jimmy, you know, taking off the knee brace. He actually, um, in the Vikings playoff game, got his leg trampled on where even, you know, the announcers were saying if he doesn't have the brace on, he probably tears his ACL again. So it, it does signify a big first step. And I think that now that he doesn't have to think about, you know, the knee, the knee brace, all that stuff, I do think it's going to lead to him maybe scrambling a little more, rolling out, not being afraid so much of the coverage breaking down. Because, you know, back in 2017, uh, that was his, you know, that was his claim to fame. When the coverage broke down, he, you know, it's anyone's ball. I mean, he's, you know, he's rolling out. He's trying to find the open receiver. And that's where Trent Taylor, going back to him, even excelled as well. Yeah, no no doubt. Um, and we, we've kind of talked a lot about the passing game. I'm very bullish on it. The running game, I think they're going to be super efficient running. I don't think they'll be able to run as much. Um, I think that this season you might see running backs using the receiving game more. Why? Well, I just said, like, they're going to be stacking the box. And Jarek McKinnon has been very hyped up in training camp. I'm super excited for that. Hopefully the dude gets on the field. It's a big, it's a big if, but it could be, it could be big time for the team. Um, if he's back there catching passes and is Jimmy's safety valve, I think that also helps Jimmy a ton. Um, Raheem, Kevin, those are the two main guys, I'd say. I'm, those three, um, we've mentioned Jermichael Hasty um, and the other guys. But I think those three are going to be like the main three backs. I think you're going to see the same rotation stuff, the same Shanahan run game, just kicking ass. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and I think that they might be using the passing game more. Raheem Mostert's talked about how he's trying to like get into like better shape to catch passes. Kevin Coleman's a fine pass catcher. I think that we kind of know who he is as a player, but having McKinnon back there can help Jimmy a lot to be that safety valve. But overall, I think the offense is going to improve. I think having, I think they're going to be a team that gets a lot of yards now because I don't, I don't know what they were, where they were in the league last year in yards. I would expect that they were higher in points than they were in yards. Why? Because you have a defense that's getting the ball back to you really quickly, but the team, the team could just kill on offense, absolutely killing offense. And I would expect – I really think that they're going to be a top three offense next year. And I believe they were still top three um, last year as well. And, you know, that's with, I would say, less weapons than they have now. And just touching on the run game, I mean, it's going to be what it was last year. You know, I mean, obviously to a, a little bit lesser degree because, you know, they came out of nowhere last year, right? I mean, no one's looking – no one early on in the year were, were looking at us and being like, hey, you know, watch out for these guys, you know, but <laughs> yeah. you, you start going 6-0, and 7-0, and 8-0, and now people are really penciling you in and, 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 you know, concerned about you. But, yeah, I mean, you touched on the run game. Mostert, uh, Coleman, I think those are going to be the guys, you know, you see rotated in and out. And then, you know, pass catching, I think McKinnon will be the main guy. Um, I mean, I've heard great things. He's running crispy routes, and that's all you can hope for, man, is, you know, give Jimmy a little bit of a, 
you know, a better dump off option. So you can give Shanahan the ability to send guys deeper, you know, so it's not, you know, sending everybody short because we don't have running backs who can really catch passes out of the backfield. Yeah. I think, I think the overall offense just seems like it will be run a lot smoother. Um, but we've talked about the offense a lot today. I want to kind of shift over to the defensive side of, of the ball. I will say this. As excited I, as I am for the offense, I mean, I love watching good defensive teams. I don't think we will see as good of a defensive team this year. And it's not a knock on any of the guys. It's just that you look at how defensive defenses usually like perform year to year, and you have teams going way up and down. I don't think they're going to be, like, bad. I really don't think that. I think they'll be a very good defense. But last season, they were so elite. They were, they were one of the best pass defenses ever. I believe they had the lowest yards per game or yards per attempt. I forget what the stat is. I mentioned it in a different podcast. I know that. <laughs> but, but, like, some passing yard statistic, they were the best since, like, the, the Jets with – Darrell Revis and Antonio Cromartie, just like crazy stuff to compare them to. And I don't think that they're going to be that good, that, that level of good. I think they're going to be very good still. The big thing that I think that we're, that we're going to see is a lot of turnovers and that's fine. That that's like, that's what you want. If you can, if you can be an average defense in terms of points and you can be top five in turnovers, you are a very, very good defense. And that is like the perfect rhyme or re- reason with the offense. If the offense is top three in the league and you get them the ball more, you're going to win a whole bunch of games and you're probably going to be at least a 12 win team. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with your sentiments. I, I think that the offense is going to have to um, carry, not carry, but, you know, be a little bit better this year than they were um, in years past. And the defense certainly won't be as good as it was, um, that's just the reality of the situation. You know, you lose a guy like Buckner. I mean, I don't care who you have. You're not making that up um, unless, you know, it's like Aaron Donald. But, I mean, you know. You, Javon, you know we'll, put, we'll, we'll say that. If Javon Kinlaw comes out and is Aaron Donald, forget what we said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, I mean, I can almost guarantee you Javon Kinlaw is not Aaron Donald <laughs> because almost nobody is Aaron Donald. But, yeah, I mean. When you look defensively, right, the, the key question, and, and it goes back to Jimmy Ward and, and Joukowsky Tart, is like health as well for the defense, like the entire defense. Because if Ford goes out, now people are doubling Bosa. And that's what happened a lot last year when Ford went out is, you know, I mean, Bosa was on fire. And, and Ford is really the key that unlocks that defense, uh, or at least that front four, because you know, now there's a lot more shifting they can do, you know, Armstead can kick inside and, and you'll have like, you know, uh, DJ Jones uh, on pass rushing downs and all that stuff. So, you know, he's the key up front. If he's healthy, that's a big deal. And then also, like we were mentioning earlier, um, you know, Ward and Tart being healthy as well as, you know, Sherman who missed, a, uh, I believe a game last year, you know, him being healthy as well is a big, big deal. And then, uh, you know, I mean, we had a lot of injuries last year, and we still sustained that. I mean, Quan Alexander, um, you know, if he's healthy too, that's another big one uh, who could be out there. I mean, like I was saying, health is wealth. Um, if a key guy goes down, I mean, this defense could take a big step back just because of the lack of depth we have at some of these positions. Like when – uh, in years past, like last year, when Buckner goes down, you're like, you're not saying, oh, it's no big deal. I know Buckner didn't go down, but I'm just using this as an example. You, know, you have guys like DJ Jones and, uh, you know, and Solomon Thomas who can kick inside and Eric Armstead who can kick inside, right? Like you have a plenty of people back there. But, you know, the one thing about Super Bowl teams is like people perform well and they want to get paid and keeping that core together is expensive. And, you're going to lose depth and you've got to rely on the depth behind them then to step up whoever's next in line. And it's, it's hard to do that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, and you talk about like the health is wealth thing. And that is, I think that's so much more true 
with the defense opposed to the offense. Like, yeah, if some receivers get banged up, like we've already seen her go down, that's not nearly as massive of it as if one of the pieces on defense goes down. D4 today was out, right? If he's healthy, it's a huge if. It is an absolute ginormous if because he's, like, hardly been healthy in his career. But if he can, like, just be healthy when it counts, that's what matters. I think overall throughout the whole year, you're going to see guys, okay, like this guy's going to miss a few games. Like last season, like, oh, D Ford's out, Kwaski Tart's out, then Richard Sherman goes out one game. And, and let's just look back real quick. So the 49ers, when they beat the Saints last year in the regular season, they put up 48 points. The Saints had 46 points. The Saints were scoring on the 49ers. They were putting up stats. Then they lost to the Atlanta Falcons the next week after they beat the Saints. The Falcons put up 29 points. That was when Richard Sherman was gone. Then the next week, the 49ers beat the Rams in a fantastic game, but the Rams put up 31 points. And then the final week of the year, the 49ers played the Seahawks, and they won 26-21. to While that's not that many points, think back on that game, and the 49ers were up like 21-7, to I think or 20 to seven, they, they were up by a lot of points. And it took, it, it was, it was a tough win because, because Russell Wilson started picking, picking them apart in the second half. And of course it was a fantastic ending to that game. But my point is that they were not that dominant group in that section when they had guys missing, when they had all that, everyone healthy, they were, like I said, they were one of the most dominant defenses that we've seen in like the last 20 years. But but how likely is it that everyone's there? Um, I, I don't know. And, and you brought up, like, Buckner's gone. That's a huge deal. That is a huge deal. Because you brought up, like, oh, yeah, like, Solomon Thomas and DJ Jones, they got to fill that. Like, well, they're going to be, like, playing a lot more this year because Javon Kinlaw, most likely, and this is not to discredit Kinlaw at all, but he's going to need some adjusting time, you know? You're going to need DJ Jones to be a, a big factor. Well, DJ Jones is coming off of an injury. I mean, he's hurt right now. Then you have, like, Ronald Blair as, like, third, fourth edge rusher. I don't really know how you do that just because Armstead plays on the outside and running and, like, a lot of running downs and in the base defense. But, like, pass-wise, you have – so you typically have Bosa and you have D Ford outside. And Ronald Blair was the guy after that. Well, he went down last year, of course, against the Seahawks, the first Seahawks game. He's coming back from an ACL injury. It's not just like he's just going to step in and be like playing. And because he was great last year. He's one of the guys that is very underrated on the team. He was fantastic. It's a, there's a lot of ifs on the defensive side, and I don't think there is that many, as many on the offensive side. I think the, I think the offense got better, and I think the defense took like half a step back. Taking half a step back isn't necessarily a big thing, but year to year, everything can change so much. And like you said, health is wealth. and it's scary to think about a couple of these guys going down because it can snowball and it can get tough and it can put a lot of pressure on the offense. I don't think we talk about it enough either. How healthy, like incredibly healthy we were at corner last year with Mosley and Sherman. I mean, they basically, you know, obviously Mosley came in about what week three, week four, but I mean, he was healthy for the remainder of the year and, you know, Sherman obviously missed one game, but, You bring up the Saints game, Sherman had to come out because, you know, I think he got a stinger on the shoulder or something. And we saw how bad he got torched. I mean, I like, I think it was like Tommy Lee Lewis or something that was just like torching Akello. Like, if if a corner goes down, you know, are are people just gonna be targeting Akello? Are they gonna be targeting Verrett if if it was, you know, Mosley the same guy? Like, corner is a huge if for us right now. And like you were saying, interior D-line. Not, we know what Bose is going to do. And if Ford's healthy, we know what Ford's going to do and we know what Armstead's going to do. But Blair, Solomon Thomas, now that he's in a full-time interior role. Um, I don't know. If, I, don't, I don't think I'd say he's in a full-time yet. I think he has a bigger, like more on his plate this year, though. I would, I would say that. And I hope they just leave him inside. That's my hope for him because that's where he dominated in college. And I think that, you know, in a contract season, he's going to want to ball out. And if he's going back to his roots, 4-3, interior lineman, 
I think that's where he can make his money. And, and I think actually the, the 49ers want him to do that so they can extend him. I truly believe they want him to stay there, uh, especially because he can influence a guy like Javon Kinlaw on, you know, hey, this is what I did wrong early in my career, and this is how you fix it. So, you know, I hope that we could stay healthy. But like we were saying earlier, the injury rate in the NFL is 100%. And it just depends on the severity. Yeah, I know. And football is a lot different than other sports with injuries. So, And we also, just to, to interject really quick, they also have to worry about COVID as well. You know, that's something we haven't even touched on yet. What happens if Garoppolo gets COVID? What happens if Sherman gets COVID? Well, now they're out 10 to 14 days, if not longer. So it's, it's you know, it's a little wrinkle in this year that is – it's it's so important that's why as a team you have to stay disciplined yeah no that's that's very true and and we and we've seen that like throughout the league it seems like it's being taken care of a lot better I I wonder I wonder because like in baseball we've seen like oh this team has COVID they were postponed I'm sure football would do something along those lines I don't really but I don't really know how you do it (laughs) what happens if what happens if Tom Brady on the Buccaneers gets COVID like, you're not just going to be like, oh, yeah, go ahead, Buccaneers, keep playing, like, without Tom. Like, no, we're not going to do that. What if the Chiefs don't have Mahomes? You're not going to do that stuff. So I, it'll be really interesting because the league's going to have to be very, like, on their feet, ready to change a lot of stuff, which I hope they are. I don't know how good they've been at that in the past, but hopefully they are this year. Um, but overall, my, my big takeaway, and I, I said this to one of my buddies right after the Super Bowl. I said, look, the 49ers are going to win a Super Bowl. And I was specifically talking about like the 2020 season and stuff. It's going to come down to, is Jimmy Garoppolo a very, very good player? I think, or maybe a great player. I think right now he's a good player. I don't think he is near his, near his like overall potential of what he can become of how good he can be in the league. And this season Teams are not going to just let the 49ers run all over them. Obviously, they're not just, like, letting them. They weren't just, like, letting them last year. But you need to be able to throw the ball on teams. And I think the way that they've built this roster, they've made it very hard to recognize what the 49ers are going to try to do with different personnel. And I think that – I mean, I think Kyle and John Lynch and the entire front office are very smart because they go, let's get this offense better. We know how good our defense was but we got to count on the offense just as much as we count on the defense. I think that's a lot of what a lot of teams run into issues is they go, Oh yeah, we're a great defensive team or we're a great offensive team. And they kind of like don't pay enough attention to the other side of the ball where the 49ers have done a good job where they've, they've really tried to maintain the defensive side and they go, we're going to draft Javon Kinlaw with our first pick. That's how we're going to replace Buckner. And I applaud them for doing that. I think that's fantastic. They do the same thing on offense. Joe Staley's gone. Let's get Trent Williams. And they did those moves because they're in the window. They're in a clear window where they – it's Super Bowl or bust this year. It really is. And it's going to come down to Jimmy G. It really is. If if people are are pretty healthy, if if the team is healthy come the playoff time, time, it's Jimmy G. And he has to carry them in the regular season. He did that last year. And this year – you got to stay healthy. You got you got to be healthy at the right time. I think that's the big thing because there's every team's gonna have it's football. Everyone's gonna you're gonna be hurt throughout the year. There's gonna be guys hurt, but you got to be healthy at the right time. And Jimmy's got to really take a a big step forward, maybe even a little leap. Yeah, and I think that you know every season there's expectations placed on a player. Like we had higher hopes for Pettis than the shoes that he had filled last year. And then there's guys like Mosley where you're not expecting anything and he comes in and he fills huge shoes. I mean, he comes in and he's a big piece of the puzzle on defense. So the question is going to be, do we have too high of hopes for Jimmy Garoppolo? I think the answer is no. But the fact that, you know, Kyle and John took a hard look at Brady this offseason tells you that they know and we know as fans too that we're probably a quarterback away from you know legitimately like locking up the NFC and having a really good chance at at a Super Bowl yeah 
No, that, that's very true, and I think that's why people are they get a little bit frustrated with him. I don't. I, I've said this before. I don't really think the Super Bowl is all on Jimmy. I think. I think if you if you go back and you just only focus on Jimmy, like okay, what did Jimmy do? Like there's guys passes getting tipped at the line. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of things going on, and I think my takeaway with that that end of the Super Bowl is Jimmy necessarily didn't step up because he missed the big throw, but like the struggles at the end of the game weren't all on him. Um, but overall, I think I thought he was very good last year, but I think he can be a lot better. I don't think he was as good as he can be, and I think that was I think that was very clear. He'd make some some bad throws, um, and so you got to clean that stuff up. You got to move the ball out. I think he does. I think he does things that very that winning quarterbacks do, and that's get the ball out quick, get it to your guys. You're accurate to your guys, and you're smart. He is a smart player. He he knows where to go with the ball. He knows he makes good adjustments for the most part. Um, he runs the play action well, and he just has a good feel of the game, which, like, I got, like, for instance, random guy, but Josh Allen. Josh Allen has all the talent in the world. He hasn't got that feel for the game yet. Not to say that he won't. I would not be surprised. If Josh Allen can figure out that feel for the game, dude's an MVP candidate. Like, that, that's his level. That is his level. That is, he has so much talent. But will he ever figure that out? I don't know. But I think Jimmy already has that, and that's one of those things that a lot of guys, it's like, oh, he, can he get that? Can you get that feel for it? And a lot of guys don't. A lot of guys really don't. And I think Jimmy's there. And that's that's why I've been so high on him since he's been a 49er. Yeah, and I think the big thing for him really is just get comfortable. You know, last season, I, I point to one game in specific, was the first Seahawks game in OT, you know, driving down the field. He looks nervous. You know, he he's throwing it right into KJ Wright's hands. And you know, how do we make him, you know, more comfortable? Was it the knee brace thing? You know, it, it was it a mental thing about, you know, I'm getting hammered by sacks. You know, I, that game he gets hammered five times by Clowney alone. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's definitely a comfort thing. How do you make Garoppolo comfortable? And I think having more weapons at his, uh, at his uh, dispense as well as, you know, just having probably – better bookend uh, tackles this year as well. I think that's going to play a huge part in what makes him psychologically and physically more comfortable this season. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's also a great place to end it. Um, before we end it though, once again, thanks for coming on Jake. Um, and one other thing, my, my network, worst take network, we have got a sponsorship with an app called thrive fantasy. And if you guys haven't heard of the app, you can check it out on the app store. If you use the promo code WTN on your signup and you put in 20 bucks after, you, you have to use the promo code on the signup though. You get an additional $20 to the account. Uh, I've done it a couple times. It's basically half fantasy football, half player props. I like it. I think it's really fun. I've been doing it in the basketball playoffs, but especially for football fans, I'm going to be doing this every weekend once football season comes around and it's cool too because some of the bets it's like two dollars it's similar to DraftKings, but it's like oh two bucks you know and you can just toss it in so if you guys are interested in that you can you can also hit me up on twitter it's matt keimer m-a-t-t-k-a-i-m-e-r and i can explain it to you guys but um thanks everyone for listening and once again jake thanks for coming on and talking some 49ers football thanks for having me man